John chapter 1, verse 2. Glory to God. Nothing else matters but Him. 3 John chapter 1, verse 2. Hallelujah. Glory to your name, Lord. 3 John chapter 1, verse 2. I And 3 John 1, 2, once again, we're talking about prosperity is real. Amen? Amen. It says, once again, beloved, and he beloved in the room. Amen. Come on, tell your neighbor, you are his, a beloved of the Lord. Glory to God. He said, beloved, I wish or desire or pray above all things that thou mayest what? Prosper and be in what? Health, even as thy soul prospers. Come on, did God tell us that it's his will for us to prosper. Amen. Come on. Is it his will for us to prosper? Amen. Is it God's will for us to be healthy? Amen. Come on. These two things. Tell your neighbor these two things. Well, no, well, somebody would say, well, no, no, there's three things here. No, there isn't. Because the last one tells us how it's going to happen. The last one tells us how it's going to happen. God says he desires above all things that we prosper. God says he desires above all things that we be in health, but it's how it's going to happen. He says, even as our soul, what? Prospers. So healing starts inside. Let me say it again. Healing starts where? Inside. Now I'm talking about spiritual healing. See, spiritual healing starts inside then it affects the body. Did y'all get that? Spiritual, spiritual healing starts what? Inside. Then it what? It affects the body. See, prosperity from God starts inside. Then it affects your purse. Then it affects your wallet. Then it affects your bank accounts. Come on, say amen, somebody. But where does it start? Where does it start? Inside. Now, if you're someone that says, I got to get some money. Come on, I got to pay some bills. So I need some money. I need some money. I need, I need, I need. That's not what you need. Let me say it again. That's not what you need. Come on, say amen, somebody. The first thing that has to happen is you have to be changed in your believing. Changed in your thinking. Changed in your speaking and change in your actions. Let me say it again. The first thing that has to happen is you have to be what? Change in your believing, change in your thinking, change in your speaking, and change in your what? Action. When your soul begins to prosper. Get that. When your what? Soul begins to prosper. When a man thinks in his heart, that's how it is. And that's how he is. Come on, say amen, somebody. If you think you're poor, you will be poor. Poor. Come on, say amen, somebody. And listen here. There are a lot of poor people with money. Say it again. There are a lot of poor people with money. There are a lot of people that have money and they're not prosperous. 
In fact, they're tormented by it. Why? Because they're always scared that they're going to lose it. Oh, come on. Say amen, somebody. Come on. They're lying awake at night trying to figure out how am I going to keep somebody from getting it? Amen? And it's sad because why? There are a lot of people who have lots of money in the bank and they don't want to enjoy anything. Come on. They drive an old raggedy car. Won't live in a nice place. Won't do anything for their kids. I'm preaching good in here. See, they got money, but they're still poor. They're poor inside. Tell your neighbor, they're poor inside. But think about this now. They're poor where? If that's possible, then you can be rich with no money. <laughs> Think about that for a second. If that's possible, you can be rich with no money. See, if you can have money and still be a poor person, then you can have no money and be a rich person right now. See, listen, think about it. Think about this now. You have to be, you have to believe you're saved before you feel like it. Let me say it again. You have to believe you're saved before you feel like it. When must you believe you're healed? Before you look and feel healed. Is that making sense to anybody in the room? When must you believe that you're a rich person? When must you believe that you're a rich person? Exactly the same. You must believe. You must what? Believe. Listen, you have to take the word of God by faith. If it says you've been made the righteousness of God in Christ, that's not based on how you feel. That's not based on your perfect performance over the past year. Come on. Him that knew no sin was made what? Made sin. He never committed a sin, but what? He received our sin, and he took it, and he bore it. Come on, say amen, somebody. Why? So that we who have known sin, have done sin, could be made the righteousness of God in Christ. That has nothing to do with how you feel. Let me say it again. That has nothing to do with how you what? Feel. You either believe it or you don't. And you believe that you are when you don't feel like it. Come on, say amen, somebody. Why? Because that's what faith is all about. Tell your but that's what faith is all about. When you walk by faith, you don't walk by feelings or what you see or reasoning. You just accept what he said. You just what? You just accept what he what? Said. See, he also said by his stripes, you are healed. And what happens? You accept that. Come on, say, I accept that. I accept that. 
See, you call it that way. No matter what the report says and no matter how you feel. Come on, say amen, somebody. But guess what? You also accept 2 Corinthians 8 9. Turn there. Second Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. Second Corinthians. <laughs> I didn't say chronicles. I said Corinthians. Second Corinthians. It says, if I accept that by his stripes I am healed, I got to accept this also. Because he said, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was, though he was rich, yet for your sake, he became what? Poor, that you, through his poverty, might be rich. Has it happened already? See, I am saved. I am healed. And according to this, I am rich. Come on, say I'm rich. Come on, say I'm rich. But I don't have any money. That means you're not listening to me. You're not listening. Come on, say amen, somebody. It's as your soul prospers. It's as your soul prospers. And most of us were brought up poor inside. Come on, say amen, somebody. And if you were like me, there was a huge gap between me and my brother. So when I got hand-me-downs, <laughs> they kind of wrapped around me two or three times. <laughs> Come on, say amen, somebody. Come on, I grew up with a lot of safety pins. <laughs> say amen, somebody. And belts that would wrap around me two or three times. You know, your mama put holes in the belt. Oh, y'all know nothing about that, right? <laughs> Come on. And I remember the days when my brother used to have to go out there and shovel coal for the furnace to keep the house warm. That's why we used to call you black coal. When he got mad, we called you black coal. Because <laughs> he had coal all over him after he, shoveled that, after he shoveled that coal. Come on, say amen, somebody. And I remember that you never threw anything away. I remember when we had an outhouse. And the seat was wooden, and you seen the water running down. Everybody <laughs> yeah. know what I'm talking about. Because we didn't have a bathroom. You had to go out to the outhouse. And that thing stank. <laughs> now, you can't feel sorry for us, because why? We didn't know we was poor. We had fun anyway, any way we could. We became very inventive. We didn't have Xbox and PlayStations. Come on, come on, say amen, somebody. 
Come on, we got together, amen. Mama, how they got rid of us, they, they, get us, they go give us some cheap marshmallows, some hot dogs, and say, go into the woods and make a fire. And we'd have roasted, and that would be the best. We couldn't wait to get to the woods and start that fire so we could have some roasted marshmallows and some roasted hot dogs. <laughs> On the stick, right. You didn't get, oh, you got to wear a hanger. <laughs> Come on, say amen, somebody. But we had fun. But we were poor inside. We were poor inside. We were poor in our soul, and we didn't even know it. Even today, <laughs> some people's soul is still not prospering. Oh, hot chicken. Hallelujah. How do I know? Some of you save every container you get. <laughs> you save the margin container. You save the cool wheat container. Every container you get, every jar you get, you save it. <laughs> I ain't done yet. <laughs> <laughs> For some of you, every time you go to McDonald's or Wendy's or Chinese, you have every little plastic fork, <laughs> every plastic spoon in that drawer. <laughs> you got a collection in that drawer. Come on, say amen, somebody. And not to mention those packs of salt and pepper. <laughs> Ketchup, mustard, soy sauce, <laughs> mayonnaise packets. Some date, some some are dating back to ten years. <laughs> you open a ketchup, it was red, now it's the mustard's not even yellow anymore. Drawers full of stuff. This stuff. I don't know about that. Now somebody may say, "What well, was wrong with that?" Everything. Everything. It's not okay. Because ask yourself a question: Why are you saving that? Because <laughs> you might need it sometime. Because you just never know. Well, guess what? That's not scripture. <laughs> if you're going to prosper outwardly, what has to happen first? You have to prosper in your soul. <laughs> Come on, we all need to be prayed for right now. <laughs> and see, that's why we're teaching on these things, folks. Come on. See, we're taking our time with this because we got to get this. See, people may want to hear something else, but they don't realize 
You're not ready for eight times nine if you can't do two plus two. And according to the Bible, how are we going to prosper? As our soul prosper. Is it his will for us to prosper? But listen, there are millions of Christians that never crossed this hurdle. And they're struggling because why? They haven't prospered in this area. Come on, say amen, somebody. And there are some that still don't believe that it's God's will for them to prosper anyway. And they believe they can serve God just as well being broke. So they honor God in their poverty. Come on, and they believe this. Come on, say amen, somebody. And this has been preached over pulpits. Oh, I'm preaching good in here. But you have to get over this first. Tell your neighbor, you got to get over this first. Is it God's will for you to prosper financially and materially? Not all y'all say yes. I got to pray for y'all some more. Let me ask again. Is it God's will for you to prosper financially and materially? If you're not sure about that, you're not ready for anything else. So you have to stay on it. Come on. You have to stay on it until you get this settled on the inside, folks. Because you can't have faith for something you don't believe. Hear what I just said. You can't have faith for something you don't believe. And that would explain why you don't have it. Then the Bible said, these signs shall follow them that believe. You must prosper in your soul. So quit saving the plastic ware and the ketchup and the mustard and those containers. Because that is a poverty mindset. <laughs> Somebody, I got some cleaning out to do. <laughs> See, people believe they're poor because the money's not there. No, the money's not there because you're poor inside. Let me say it again. The money's not there because you are poor inside. How are you going to prosper? As your soul prosper. If you keep thinking like a poor person, you limit God. Say it again. If you, if you, if you, if if you keep thinking like a poor person, you limit God. Why? Because getting money to you is not hard for God. Come on, he has so many contacts. He has so many ways. So what is the challenge then? The challenge is for us to change how we think. Change how we believe. Change how we talk. And prosperity starts inside. Say, neighbor, that's the challenge. See, as your soul prospers, then you're going to start seeing changes. 
But a lot of us don't have it because we still haven't prospered in our souls in this area. We say we do, but where's the evidence? So get rid of all that junk you've been saving. I'm talking about all that stuff, men. And that you have on the shelves like I did. I started cleaning stuff out today. I thought I started preaching to myself. I went to the dump. <laughs> I started, I, went, I looked at I looked at my, I said, what am I going to do with this stuff? And then you move, when you move that stuff from one house to the other. And it was still junk at the other house. Stuff you ain't going to never use. But I might need this part. <laughs> I might need this part, so I got to keep on this part. And you ain't going to never use that part. Because you accumulate another part to sit beside it. So you got, you got to go through your house. Because what God says, he's saying is, a lot of time God can't get nothing to you because of the junk you have in your house. Oh, okay. Y'all didn't want to hear that either. Come on, say amen, somebody. Come on, say amen, somebody. So tell your neighbor, it's time to get rid of some junk. And I, 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 start, I started looking, and I said, Okay, let me see what I got in here. I had to load up my truck today. Today. And I still got some loads to go. Because you don't realize how much you've accumulated till you look. Stuff. What is that? I may need it later. That's limiting God. Because now I'm getting, it has you stuck in a poverty mentality. Can't God get you something new? Can't God get you some new parts? So you ain't got to clutter your house of junk? I should have got some amens from the ladies because you know. <laughs> Because men know how to accumulate junk. <laughs> come on, say, come on, brothers, don't leave me out here. Y'all know I'm talking the truth. <laughs> I got parts of a car that you don't even have. <laughs> got fenders, you don't even have the car. <laughs> Back in the day, people used to have, they used to have them old refrigerators. They, they, they had refrigerators lined up in the yard. Just in case. <laughs> old cars, five and six old cars that you try to put together. Just in case. I may need a part off that car. It's time to get rid of the junk. 
we got to change the way we think. Come on, say amen, somebody. Hallelujah. Come on, we're leaving it behind. Tell your neighbor, we're leaving it high. Why? Because we're coming up. Oh, I don't know. Come on, we're coming up. And it's going to get better and better. The Bible says he's increasing us more and more, us and our children. So we don't need all that junk. Come on, say amen, somebody. Hallelujah. Now, in Genesis, we start asking the question, what kind of God do we serve? Is he a God of lack or is he a God of plenty? Is he a God of poverty or is he a God of abundance? Come on, we're not just saying the answers. We're proving it through the scriptures. Come on, say amen, somebody. And we know God revealed himself through two major redemptive names. One we talked about was El Shaddai. And that revealed God's nature, his character, his will. And we looked at the root word Shaddai, and we found out it's a word for breast. And just like a mother's breast is an infant's total source of supply, God is our total source of supply. Oh, come on, say amen, somebody. He is El Shaddai, the all-breasty one. The God that is more than enough. Then we see where God revealed himself to Abram as Jehovah Jireh. The God that sees ahead and provides the supply. Come on, the God that sees ahead and provides the supply. He sees what you need even before you get there. Let me say it again. He sees what you need even before you get there. And then he sends the ram on the way so that you and the provision will arrive at the same time at the same place. Come on, say amen, somebody. Because the Lord will provide. The Lord will provide. The Lord will provide. The Lord will provide. Hallelujah. We went back and we began to talk about this. God has identified himself in numerous places in the scripture with his title. Yes, he said he's El Shaddai. Yes, he says he's Jehovah Jireh, but he also says, I'm the God of Abraham. Sometimes he said, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. When we ask the question, what kind of God did Abraham know? He knew a God that blessed him. He knew a God who made him very rich. Come on, say amen, somebody. He knew a God who was faithful to him and protected him and his family. He knew a God who allowed him to pray and intercede and even called him his friend. Oh, come on, say amen, somebody. Then we ask, what kind of man was Abram that God could bless him like he did? He was a man who obeyed God and did what he was told to do. Come on, say amen, somebody. Did everything he told him to do. A man that would leave anything, go anywhere, and give anything. He was a man who obeyed him completely and then stepped out in faith, not knowing where he was going. He was a tither, somebody that put God first. He was unselfish. Come on, say amen, somebody. He was somebody who preferred his brother, and he was hospitable. That's the kind of man God could bless. 
Come on, say amen, somebody. And in Genesis, God reaffirmed himself as the God of Abraham and Isaac. Well, the question is, what kind of God did Isaac know? Another one, what kind of daddy did Isaac have? How did Isaac grow up? Come on. His daddy was a multi-billionaire. So how did he grow up? Come on. He grew up, he rode the best. He wore the best. He ate the best. And he lived in the best. Come on, say amen, somebody. Well, when his daddy went home to be at the Lord, he was well set financially. Well, turn to Genesis 24, 35. See it for yourself. Genesis chapter 24, verse 35. Verse 35. Are you getting anything out on this? Here in Genesis 24, 35, we read it before, but here the servant is talking. His servant is talking. And he says here in verse 35, and the Lord has blessed my what? The Lord has what? Blessed my master how? Greatly. And he has become what? Great. And he has given him what? Flocks and herds and silver and gold and men servants and maid servants and camels and asses who gave him all this the lord has god changed has god changed if that was his will then why isn't it his will now It is his will. Come on, say amen, somebody. Why? God never changes. He said, I'm a God that I change not. Look at verse 36. And he says, Sarah, my master's wife, bury what? Son to my what? Master when she was old. Listen to this now. And unto him has he given all, all that he had. Isaac's about 40 years old now. And everything his daddy accumulated over his life, his daddy gave to him. Oh, you gotta hear me. His daddy gave to him. So now he's a 40-year-old billionaire. He's got it. And guess what? And it pleased God. Go to Proverbs 13:22. See, people have this way of believing. This is what they believe. They believe that if you grow up poor or you come up poor, you appreciate stuff more. And they say it's not good for kids to be rich. They say they need to learn the value of a dollar. And that's not true. It's not about learning the value of the dollar because that's coveting, amen, and that's idolatry. Children should learn how, they should learn what? They should learn the word of God. They should learn faith. They should learn loyalty and faithfulness, not the value of a dollar. Come on, say amen, somebody. So they say, so they say 
I don't think it's good for young people to have a lot of money. Well, if that's the case, you won't agree with a lot what the Bible says. Because look what it says here. We read this before. We talked about this on Sunday because God said this. God says a good man, what? Leaveth a bunch of debt so they'll be all right. A good man leaveth a lot of love. So that should suffice them. They got a lot of love. Now it says what? Because he's getting ready to tell us this was the plan of God. This is what? This was the plan of God. The plan of God was a good man leaveth an inheritance to his children's children. Is this the will of God? Well, listen. Well, you can't be struggling all your life just to pay your light bill and do this. Let me say that again. You can't be struggling all your life just to pay the light bill and do this right here. If you're going to leave enough money after you went home to be with the Lord so that children and your grandchildren will go, wow, thanks, Papa. Come on, say amen, somebody. Quiet. They get X amount of age and they find out they have an, have an account and it's X amount of money in it. Come on. And it's been drawing interest all these years that they were growing up. And they go, wow. Thanks, granddad. I'm rich and I haven't even got started. Why? That's a God thing. Tell your neighbor, that's a God thing. From here, from when we're reading, that's a Bible thing. And it was supposed to have happened to you. It was supposed to have happened from generation. It's supposed to be happening from generation to generation. What if people believe God with all their might, their heart, and their soul, and they follow God, and they obey God, and they sowed their seed, and it kept happening generation after generation after generation? What would happen? What would happen? They would just keep coming up. Why? Daddy was rich, but now he's richer, and now his kids are even richer. Changing your mindset, folks. Changing your mindsets. Because why? Many Christians don't believe that. But isn't that what it says here? It says a good man leaveth an inheritance to his what? Children, children, and then it says and. Meaning what's, what we're getting ready to read after that is connected. Amen? And the what? Wealth of the sinner is laid up for the just. So the good man, the man who obeyed God, the woman who obeyed God and followed and believed, what happens? Wealth accumulates. And, they're get, and their kids get to keep it and grow it. But what it's saying here, and sometimes we may get it mixed up with the saying here when it says the wealth of the sinners later for the just. See, that's the way it's supposed to happen with us. But it doesn't happen with sinners that way. See, their ungodly seeds don't get to enjoy it because why? It's laid up for us.
Did y'all get that? But what kind of God did Isaac know? He knew a God who made his daddy one of the richest men in the whole region. Come on, say amen, somebody. He knew a God who led his daddy to find him the perfect wife and leave him billions of dollars. Come on, think about it. He just got married and he was super wealthy. How would you like to get married and you super wealthy like that? The last thing you'd be arguing about was money. Come on, say amen, somebody. Amen. So he just got married. He's super wealthy. He's got the most perfect, beautiful wife. He's got all of this money to start his life with. And God identifies himself with this man as I am the God of Isaac. Did you hear what I just said? God identifies himself with this man as I am the God of Isaac. This is prosperity. This is a prosperity that affects generation after generation after generation. Increase is not diminished, but increase keeps coming up. Come on, say amen, somebody. It keeps what? Going up and up and up. And see, what we got to do, we have to understand that poverty is a curse on every hand. And on every turn, it's a multiplying curse. It's a cycling curse. Come on, say amen, somebody. Why am I trying to save all those worn out parts? Why am I trying to save all that junk in my cupboard? Why? Because my dad did. And his dad did. And his dad before him. Come on, we all grew up with a junk drawer. <laughs> it's called the junk drawer. Everything's in the junk drawer. <laughs> what happened? We were taught this, folks. We were taught this. Now, we just, nobody just, they didn't sit us down and discuss it. It was taught by life examples and what they did and how you think was taught. Are y'all getting this? We were taught to be poor. We were taught to talk poor. And we were taught to think poor. So now it's easier for the next generation to be poor. I'm not making sense to anybody in this room. And listen, we got to break this thing. We got to break this thing. We got to break this thing for our generation and for our descendants, folks. That's how serious this is. Come on, say amen, somebody. So there's a lot, there's, there's a lot to do for God. We can do without scrapping for every penny. Amen? See, I don't believe you have to come up hard to appreciate things. That's not right. Tell your neighbor that's not right. Why? 
Generations of prosperity multiplies also. And it makes it easier for the next generation. Are you listening to me out here? Think about this. People who have been rich, and I'm going to read something in a minute. People who have been rich for generations and generations. I'm not talking about poor people with money. Come on. But people who think rich. People who think rich expect to be rich. They expect to have the best. And a lot of what they do, they do it unconsciously because why? They expect it to be that way. Come on, say amen, somebody. They expect to get the most expensive room. They expect to ride in the best seats. They expect to get the best food. Why? That's just how they think. You should get a book called The Millionaire Mind. It tell you how millionaires think. Come on. But guess what? You see, their moms and dad thought that way. And their moms and dad thought that way. And it's just been ingrained in them while they've grown up. Oh, come on. Say amen, somebody. They expect it to come. They expect it to come. But think about it. Even the, in the mechanics of it, poor people pay more for stuff than rich people do. <laughs> Did you hear what I just said? A rich person can go buy a house for $100,000 and just write a check for it. Or they'll say, I'll pay cash for it. Give it to me for 80000 Now, a poor, a poor person who has bad credit <laughs> has to pay 10% interest for 30 years and wind up paying $400,000 for the same house. The person who is least able to do it pays four times as much. Come on, do you see what I'm talking about? Do you see what I'm talking about? How this cycle works, folks. But then you have this person that's not even thinking right. Amen? Amen. They're not even thinking right. What they'll do, they'll put a bumper sticker on their worn-out car saying, I owe, I owe, I owe, off the work I go. <laughs> and have on the radio, I work hard for my money. Think poor, believe poor, talk poor, and then you put that in your children. We got to come away 
from telling our, always telling our children. I mean, I'm guilty of it too. Always telling our children that we can't afford it. <laughs> I can't afford that. Are you crazy? Money don't grow on money don't grow on trees. <laughs> <laughs> so they grow up the same way and what happens the cycle continues come on making sense to anybody in this room and they end up paying four times or maybe ten times more for stuff than the rich person now do you see how hard it is to get ahead but we're coming out. See, if people knew what we were getting here on Wednesday night, this room would be full. But you're going to get it. I don't care if it's 10 people in here. We're going to get 10 people that's going to get this. Come on, say amen, somebody. We're going to be the ones getting the cash discounts. Come on, we're the, we're the ones, that's our, our grandchildren that we're raising, they're going to let their hands stand. I thank you, granddaddy, for... Are you listening to me out here? Hallelujah. I hope it comes up. Let me show you. Let me read some of these billionaires. Let's start with the richest man. The Rothschild family. Net worth estimate between one billion to seven hundred trillion. One of the wealthiest and most influential families in the world, the banking dynasty was founded in the 1760s because the family's wealth is private, it's difficult to ascertain its net worth. Estimates range from one billion to a staggering seven hundred trillions, split between legions of descendants. The house of Saud. Net worth 1.4 trillion. Saudi Arabia is run as an absolute monarchy by the real by the Assad family, which has been in power since the 18th century. It's thought that this extended ruling royal family is worth a staggering 1.0 trillion. Solomon bin Laden pictured of as a current king. The Walton family. Net worth 152 billion. From the heirs to the Walmart fortune, maintained control over the world's largest retailer by owning 54% owning of shares between six family members. These include Christie, Jim, Rob, Alice, Pitchard, relatives of founders of Sam's and Jam, who started the business in Arkansas in 1962. The Koch family, K-O-C-H, net worth $89 billion. Engineer Fred C. Koch founded an oil and refining company, Koch Industry, in 1940. 
It grew into a multinational corporation with subsidies, investments, manufacturing, trading, and is now the second largest privately held company in the U.S. Two of Cox, two of Cox's four sons, Charles, Pitchard, and David, bought out brothers Bill and Frederick in 1983. The latter have since sued for larger settlements. They're fighting now. Mars family worth 80 billion. There's big money be made in candy. As a fierce private Mars family showed, founder Frank Pitchard business he showed his picture. His son Ford Sr. came on board in 1929, and during his tenure, the iconic Mars bar and M&Ms were invented. His three children, Forrest Jr., Jacqueline, John, now own 100% of Mars Incorporation, which also makes pasta sauces and pet foods. They increase the business. Oh, come on now. Carlos Slim Hulan family, worth 77.1 billion from Mexico, known as the Warren Buffett of Mexico. Carlos Slim Helu Pitchard is the second richest man in the world and a business magnate whose business interests account for 40% of the listings on the Mexican stock exchange. He made his fortunes in telecoms. Four of his children play an active part in his companies, including the son Carlos, who serves as chairman of the board in Grupo Carso. See how they got their children involved in this. Their family involved in this. Macmillan family, worth 45 billion. America's private, largest privately company, Cargill Incorp, is still 88% owned by members of the same family. That family has more, listen to this, that family has more billionaires than any other in the world. Fourteen at the last count. It says, he started a great storage business in 1865. It was divided between his four children on his death in 1909. His interests include food, crops, trade, commodities. Come on, folks. Come on now. Generation after generation after generation. We're children of God. We serve the most high God who walks on streets paved with gold. We got to get this in us, folks. We got to change the way we believe, change the way we think, change the way we talk, and change the way we act. And get rid of this poverty mentality with the ketchup. <laughs> Put your hands to the Lord. Come on, did you get anything out of this today? Hallelujah. We give you glory, Lord. We give you honor, Lord. Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Matter of fact, there's 32 billionaires here. 32 billionaires, and they call it the world's richest families revealed. 
where families kept the money in the family from generation to generation. Hallelujah. 